Hello, everyone. Welcome to AU4H Radio Real Talk. This is it's the two-part interview with Glendine Grant, and we're talking about her daughter, Jessie Foster, who's been missing 15 years now. This is the 15th year that Jessie Foster went missing, and you can catch the first interview that we did. It's um, it's on our YouTube uh, playlist there, and it, it's it'll also be all over, you know, where we are. <laughs> so it'll be out there everywhere, even as a podcast. But this second uh, part of the interview is um, we're just so glad that Gwendine can do this with us here today. And um, it's just, you know, this is so tragic. It really is for for anybody who's going through this kind of stuff. Um, 15 years to not know where your daughter is. And so we care very much and we're glad to be able to be able to do this show with Gwendine and, you know, just talk about what about the disappearance and then what happened after. And um, so if you didn't see the first interview, you can go grab that later. And uh, otherwise, we just welcome you here. And we're glad to be here. Hi, Glendine. Hi, Donna. Hi, Hi thank you. <laughs> thank you, so ladies, for having me back again. I appreciate it so much. It, it, I'm always so grateful to be able to talk about Jesse. Yeah. It's, it's uh, actually a real privilege. Know, oh, the privilege is mine. Trust me, I, I'm, I'm more than grateful. Um, now, last week, um, we talked about, you know, Jesse, normal life, um, you know, growing up and, and such. Um, this one's going to be a little harder, uh, you know, on me and on listeners. Um, I sometimes equate um, my life with a missing daughter and sort of how, um, you know, when a family loses a loved one and then they have a funeral or a celebration of life, depending on what they have. And it seems like um, at those events, the families are almost controlling all the friends and the families. Um, you know, they're strong and, you know, everybody comes up to you and they say how sorry they are that this happened to your family. And then the family is, you know, that's okay. And they're hugging them back. Um, Mine has been like that but for 15 years. Mine is where people don't know what to think and they certainly don't know what to say. And uh, people are often afraid of saying the wrong thing or hurting my feelings or, you know, saying something they shouldn't. Um, you know, but, but that, that never happens in my opinion. There's nothing anybody can say to me that would hurt me more than what I'm already experiencing. Um, and, and in that respect, I appreciate all questions or comments from people because that just tells me that they want to know that and they want to understand. Um, so, um, so basically what I'm saying is after 15 years, um, I can sound strong and talk to people almost matter-of-factly about having a daughter missing. Um, and then the people that are hearing the story are the ones that break down because they... Well, the, everybody always says I can't imagine because nobody could imagine. And uh, to be perfectly honest, I don't even want anyone to try to imagine. Um, and it's because, well, <laughs> because they couldn't, you know. They would only imagine the first part, which is the, um, the, the Finding out or realizing you haven't heard from someone, finding out that somebody is in your life is missing, um, and, and all that starts to hit you, um, and it, it hits you hard. 
But after 15 years, it's, um, you know, I don't know the word to use, but we're used to it, I guess, you know? We're, yeah. I, I've had a, I've had Jesse missing for 15 years. She was not missing for 21 years. So it's almost been the same length of time for each. And so for me and for many um, others, there's a point where you have to kind of get back on on track. You have to um, start living your life again, if not even for yourself, but for your missing loved one. I often say, I do this for Jesse. I do that for Jesse. Um, now I also say, you know, because I have grandchildren and I do have three other daughters, I do things for them in spite of me maybe not wanting to or thinking, um, you know, how could I be laughing or enjoying myself when Jesse's missing? I, I have... I completely flipped it, and now I think, um, how could I not do these? You know, um, if, if Jesse is not alive, then this is the living that she will get is through us, and so that, that's sort of where where you end up, at least for me. Um, after fifteen years, I it, it's a horrible, horrible thing, but it's my life. So having said that, I'm not uh, ever going to say that my life is horrible. Um, I can say matter-of-factly, I have a wonderful life. I had one really bad thing happen, and it's it's been going on for 15 years. But that doesn't mean I have a horrible life. It doesn't mean anything. It means the opposite. As a matter of fact, because I love my other children, my husband and my grandchildren, they are my life. They mean so much to me. They've given me the strength and the reasons, you know, to, to carry on. So to me, um, as of today, it being 15 years, um, I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I had Jesse for as long as I did. I'm grateful that her story has been helping many, 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 many people. And I'm grateful that I am able to, um, you know, go to work or go shopping or hang out with the kids or, you know, help my grandson fundraise for the BMX club. I am so grateful and happy that I get to do all these things because there are a lot of families who don't find that thing. So that, that's sort of how I wanted to start today off because we ended last show um, with just starting the nightmare. But I thought maybe if I could, um, if it's possible, lighten the story somewhat into knowing that um, that we're, we're okay, that Jesse is a huge, huge force in her life to keep going, that her story has helped others. And that she still may one day come home. So that, that's sort of how I wanted to get today started. Was, um, not starting off with a nightmare and having everybody, you know, immediately, um, you know, crying or, or feeling heartbroken. Because with our story with Jesse's disappearance, that is the tragedy that Jesse disappeared, that Jesse has been gone and missed out on 15 years out of her 36 years on this planet, almost 37 years. For 15 of them, she's been robbed. And um, we will not let that happen in vain. We, we will make sure that her name has and will 
um, today going down in history as um, as a strong group, as, as a, the name for human trafficking, at least in Canada, it is. So that's where um, that, that's what I wanted to start off with. And now, thank you for letting me. That's awesome. Well, you know, and I think that's that's the best. Uh, thing that could come out of this, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. When you look at it that way, it's um, you know because it did happen. You can't change that. We, you know, people who just can't change these things, they 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 happen, and then and then it's you know, do does a person let it destroy them, or does a person just say no? I'm going to keep going. I'm going. You know, this is not going to be the end of the story. It's it it yeah. doesn't have to in here badly, you know. Let's and that's kind of you know I appreciate that. And that's and I think that's a, a good way to live life and because life is hard and things yeah. bad things do happen. And yes, you know they do. It's, yeah. it's a change, yes. but they do. And so many people then are left um, having to to make these choices. Okay, am I going to let this destroy me, or am I going to? learn to live with this and then use it to for good and I think that that's yeah. really awesome um, because that's uh, honoring Jesse first of all and and all Very you much. know yeah it, it really is and I, I think that's just awesome um, it's it's, it's tough um, I know we were going to talk it's up to you we can talk about whatever you want to we were talking about discussing the um, Sort of what happened with the yes. investigation, and, yes. is, and is it still going on? And um, what's being done? You know, if there is anything being done now, sort of thing, and just to catch people up. Yeah. And then, yeah, um, yeah. And then we thought, if you'd like, you could tell us a little bit about Math uh, Mothers Against Traffic Humans mm -hmm. and um, your work you've been doing there. And, you know. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Well. Um, when Jesse was first taken to Las Vegas, which we touched on on the last show, um, it was for two weeks exactly before her 21st birthday. So we just thought she was going to stick around and, against my better judgment, but stick around and celebrate her 21st birthday in Las Vegas. It's something that, um, you know, many people like to do, you know, Canadians and Americans. They want to go somewhere special for the 21st birthday. And... Um, but over time, as different excuses for her wanting to stay came up, and um, and and then the time frame that, that went by, you know, like you know, for she was there from um, May thirteenth until Christmas. She came home well, just in the beginning of December or the late November of two thousand and five, and so we think that there was. Um, a couple of reasons for that, that Jesse was, they knew, because Jesse told them that if I don't come home, because we didn't go there in September, there was the excuse of her falling and breaking her jaws, so they never came in September, and if she didn't come back in Christmas, then it was going to really pique our interest to, you know, to find out what exactly is going on down there. Um, so when she did come back, you know, she visited us here in Canlums, went to Calgary, saw her dad and her stepfamily, came back and actually spent um, Christmas Eve and, and Christmas Day with us. But we didn't um, know that she was already being trafficked. We didn't know that she had already been arrested 
um, twice, and there was a total of five charges for solicitation of prostitution. So, you know, our thinking is though she's not going to go back. She's too, um, they fight all the time. She's gotten away from him and everything will be fine. But then on Christmas morning, when we woke up and our plans were to go up to my dad's house, have Christmas dinner there like we always did, uh, she told us that she had to be on a, a flight at noon heading back to go to Las Vegas, which was not something she told us prior. It was not something that we discussed, or, you know, how are we going to get her out there or who's going to drive or anything, which I believe would be a normal conversation when somebody was there visiting, planning on leaving. So the fact that it came up quickly and that she was gone within a few hours of telling us um, was, was one of the things that came to my mind immediately when we first realized she was missing three months later. Um, because as I started learning about human trafficking, the control that they have over the women and the men and the children is that you do what we say and you do it now and you do it um, when we say so that the consequences aren't going to happen. I believe that those consequences would be if you don't come back, we'll get somebody else, one of your friends, one of your sisters. You know, we'll hurt your mom. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that we threaten them with, and because of that, he did leave. Um, kind of my because today my, you know, I woke up this morning at about two o'clock. Um, knowing full well that I was closing in on the three o'clock hour of of a very traumatic phone call I had on the 29th of March, 2006. Um, I'll tell you about it. I just want to um, say like, um, so, so tell, um, that day after Jesse went home, we talked to her every day. I would talk to her, you know, every few days. Her sister would talk to her every few days, her stepmom, one of her other sisters. But between us all, there was rarely a day that went by that somebody didn't talk to Jesse. Uh, and okay. I sometimes think I talked to her more than I talked to other kids who might have been in, you know, my daughter in Calgary or the other kids in Kamloops. I don't know why it went that way, but it did. Uh, but I do know that um, just because we didn't know what was happening to Jesse, um, I do believe. But Jesse knew what was happening to her. And I think that because of that, uh, she couldn't tell us, but she could keep consistent daily contact with us. Mm -hmm. And when that, if that contact broke and broke suddenly with no explanation that it would make us understand. I told you before how we used to watch a lot of crime shows and, you know, uh, we just have the brain that kind of goes there. Like, you know, where what would happen if nobody called um, one day? And because of all that, we did realize immediately that Jessie was missing. We knew, you know, when nobody heard from her on the 29th, even though messages were left for her, uh, by the 30th, I was getting calls, you know, from her other sisters saying, this is not returning my call. And now I put that together with what happened to me. Um, it was... Um, uh, now, back in 2006, I worked at a place called Convergies. I did technical support for an internet service. Um, we're in Canada, but the internet service was for an American company. And so my shift was 5 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. I got up at 3, 
I have always had a busy, large household. And I would get up at three and I'd give myself an hour of just nobody else around. I had the place, you know, to myself, so to speak, for that hour. Then I'd get ready for work. Sometimes at that, um, during that hour, when I was just relaxing or doing whatever, um, Jesse would call me. Las Vegas has the same time zone as British Columbia, so it was also three o'clock for her. And um, we always laughed because when we were talking, I'd say today and she'd say tonight because I was already up for work for the next morning. He was still awake from the night before. So we kind of like had that little bit of difference, but, but we talked often. And m most often it was at three o'clock in the morning. And so on the 29th of March, um, uh, 2006, my phone rang and, um, and I answered it. And before I did, I glanced at the call display and I noticed it was a 702 number, but not a number I'd ever seen Jesse call from before. But I knew the 702 number was um, Las Vegas. So I answered the phone going, hey, Jess, how's it going? And all I could hear was kind of a muffled noise. Um, to be honest, it sounded like a hand over a mouth and someone crawled a pool like that. So it was very muffled. Mm -hmm. And then it clicked. And I thought, well, that, that was kind of weird, right? Then it rang again, and I answered it. And I'm like, Jesse? And then there was no one there again talking. I could hear a kind of muffled noise. This time the muffled almost sounded screaming, like like a scream, like instead of just someone talking like that, it was more like a like that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, Jesse, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm yelling into the phone and calls my husband to stir, and he realized that I'm on the phone and I'm yelling, and um, and then the phone clicks again. And then it rings a third time, and this time I answered it, and, and I was so terrified that I was almost angry that if Jessie was in trouble, why does she keep calling me in Canada? She needs to call the police. She needs to call somebody there that can help her. I'm thinking, what can I do? So when I answer the phone, I'm like, Jesse, what's wrong? Call the police. I can't help you. I don't know what's going on. All I, I just can hear you screaming. And then it clicked off again. And by this time, I was absolutely beside myself. I, um, My husband was awake. I don't know how I can wake up anyone else in the house, but... Um, so he's consoling me. I, I called in and I didn't go to work because I just, I thought I just did my daughter being kidnapped. Mm -hmm. And then, <laughs> excuse me. And then a couple hours later, I get a phone call. And this time it was a 780 area code which is Northern Alberta, up by Edmonton and Northern Alberta. Um, and it was my oldest daughter, Crystal. And she's, I answered the phone and I'm like, hello. And all she could say is, mom, it was me, it was me. It wasn't Jesse, mom, it was me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, mom, I was phoning you at three o'clock in the morning and you kept, 
yelling and crying and he thought it was Jesse. And she goes, Mom, it was me. I said, It was not you. It was a it was a Las Vegas phone and, and somebody was screaming and somebody was something was going on. She says, Mom, no, and then this is this is what happened. My daughter Crystal was um, a cook in an oil rig camp, and she they would bust them up from Edmonton up north to wherever they were. I'm and and um, she was just getting off on her days off, and she had washed all of her clothes and accidentally washed her cell phone in her house coat pocket. So now she had a broken <laughs> cell phone. And she wanted to let me know that she was heading out of camp and that she was going to be back in Calgary, um, you know, by the next day or so. And I said, well, no, because it was a 702 area code. And she said, well, mom, my phone was broken. So I borrowed a coworker's phone and she was from Las Vegas. So her phone was a 702 area code. And I said, but I heard someone screaming. It was muffled. And it almost sounded like someone was calling for help. And all that we could figure out is this, okay? That at the exact moment that Jesse was being taken by force, this one was phoning me with a 702 area code telephone. Now, Crystal and Jesse have the same blood running through their veins. They have the same dad, the same mom, and they're so close. They're 16 months apart. They're very close, and I'm close with them. And somehow, our hearts are connected. And Crystal's phone call to me connected to Jesse, and I believe I heard Jesse being taken. And... Anybody can say anything they want. The only thing is, Jim heard me on my end, and Crystal heard me on her end. So mm -hmm. we it wasn't some made-up story. I think I could just be taken on March 29th, 2006, at 3 o'clock in the morning, which is the same time that we talked most often. So, so that that's... Yeah. That's what happened that night. And um, yeah, no one will ever convince me that I didn't hear it. And that's why I've always believed, um, you know, that Jesse's alive. I don't believe that, uh, like they tried to say, well, maybe if she's a prostitute, they tried to connect her to so many things. The most recent one was Neil Falls. They're trying to say maybe she was killed by a truck driver, serial killer, or this Neil Falls guy who was killed by an escort. Um, after he tried to kill her and he had been connected to Las Vegas in 2005 and six, and so all these things. But a few things that didn't sit well with me is um, it wasn't a truck driver because, I mean, Jesse was being escorted out of um, the best hotels on the strip. He wasn't um, hanging out in truck stops, if that might mm. sound um, awful for me to say. That's, if if anything, she was not, um, she did not hang out in truck stops. And so right. for her to be picked up by a trucker and killed, 
in the bed of his truck and disposed of along the highway never, ever, ever felt right to me. Um, mm -hmm. If it was Neil Falls, um, that might have a little more credence because he might be more apt to have hired a prostitute and done, tried to do what he did to the lovely Shannon. Um, but all in all, um, I, I have always believed that um, she was becoming too much of a handful for this um, trafficking that she thought was a fiance. I believe that she was resold and taken away somewhere else. And then that's what happened the night I heard. Because he told me that she took everything with her kept her hair dryer and her makeup. I told you that last time. And Jessie isn't leaving her hair dryer or her makeup behind when she mm -hmm. is willingly going anywhere. No. So that's sort of how I came to um, to the belief that, you know, that it was human trafficking. I mean, she was taken from one country to another. She was beaten and forced into prostitution. She went missing when she tried to leave. And um, she's never been heard from since. And that is pretty much as few bullet points as you can get for what, how you would describe an international human trafficking victim. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just insane. I now the because I you know I don't know like all about the whole thing really. Um, just little bits and pieces of what I've seen, and are. Now, you got an investigation going, right? Yeah. Did you? Yes. yes. There's an open police? case. Yeah. Um, but the police have never really been, um, you know, forthright or helpful with us. I sometimes I'll watch, you know, 48 hours or all those other times, you know, true crime shows, and I get so touched by the police officers that want to help, that promise the families, I'm gonna solve this. I just, I'm so grateful to those kinds of police officers and I'm so sad that we didn't get one for Jesse yeah. because she deserved a cop who cared. She deserved a cop who wanted to solve her case and she deserved a cop who didn't think that she got what was coming to her for coming mm -hmm. down and painting his beautiful little city. It bothers me that um, that they judged her and um, I never really, investigated yeah. but i i do believe that there was a reason that they had her in north las vegas and not las vegas because of the police department being so small and really not experienced in you know the vice and the pandering and and you know human trafficking or any of that um they didn't even have an actual missing persons officer he was the, the homicide robbery cop so you know they they wore many helmets but in my opinion, they didn't have enough experience with the missing person. Yeah. To even handle it like a missing person case. Yeah. And they even also, believe that she went missing without meaning to. He says, uh, you know, he said she'll probably turn up on a beach somewhere and he, or that's a big desert out there. She'll turn up someday. Meaning that, you know, they'll find her body. That's, that's it. She's either away somewhere or she's dead and buried and, you know, and she'll turn up. Not that they'll find her, you know, she'll turn up one day. Yeah. So it's heartbreaking because, you know, I want more for people I don't know, let alone my own daughter, you know, 
what how what do you think yeah. I want for my own daughter? I want them to go full out. I know it's not going to happen, but at least give her the respect she needs as a human being. And, mm. you know, let's not judge her because anything That's that right. you say, uh, you know, with it, not you, but anything that, you know, that you, the police say she chose to do, she was forced to do. And if you took that out of the equation, you know, she's a victim, you know, since May 13th, even before, even before when she was taken on those two trips, even before those first phone calls, when somebody sat in their home or wherever and thought, yeah, Jesse Foster, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make her my next victim. Somebody had to think of that. She had already left Calgary. She was back in Kansas before they started calling her. Somebody had to want her back and, and um, you know and use her that way. Yeah, yeah. That was a the whole grooming thing. You know, this is that's. Do do you think that they didn't? Well, oh, like this is just a question because I'm a Canadian, but I'm also a United States citizen. Um, I've got dual citizenship. And um, do you think that the that they didn't really take it all that seriously because Jesse was a Canadian citizen? What if she had been a U.S. Oh, yeah. citizen? Oh, oh, that that's my whole point is that they thought that how dare she come down to our country and break the law? They it had everything to do with the fact that she was not an American because they thought that she made these choices willingly and and got what she deserved. I honestly believe that's how they feel. And they should have been trying what, to find her and then send her back to Canada. That's what they should I, have been doing. You know how I said earlier that, um, you know, we didn't know what was going on down there, but Jesse did. And that's why I think Jesse kept in such continuous contact with us. Mm. I also think that's why Jesse was um, caught prostituting so many times. I think in her mind she probably thought if i just get arrested they'll send me home right but they would just send her back to the pimp so you know kind of makes you wonder if you know how high up this goes and if anyone else is involved and you know i mean the uh, donald vaz is the one the canadian from um from calgary who took jesse initially to the states we found out a lot of things about not just Donald Vaz, but his older brother, Lima Vaz. And this went back to the mid nineties um, where the older brother Lima was um, arrested and charged with, um, with forcing a 15 year old girl into prostitution, promising her money and a place to stay just like they all do and beating her and leaving her practically destitute and keeping all the money. Um, he was also charged with um, uh, another another case. It was from Ontario. I think it was from Toronto, where he was chasing a young woman down a street, screaming at her, threatening her. He's going to get her, and she's going to get it. And and it was just happening that there was these young guys uh, outside of a pub somewhere, and they were drinking and they seen this so they're like no this is wrong and so they jumped this guy and they held him until the police come and the woman said that um he had been pimping her out that uh forcing her into prostitution and um you know there are other cases that he was involved in and other cases that donald baz was also involved in so these guys you know we also found out that donald baz's mother well both of their mother um manned the telephones of an escort agency that they had up in Edmonton and um, and there's just been a lot of like 
he he's a horrible, mm-hmm. horrible, horrible person. Um, I don't even know. I'm not. I will never say names. But even though I've already said Donald's name, it has me. Like, if anybody investigates, they'll know who I mean. But um, I still want to tell you and give you an example about the kind of person he is. Several years ago, I got a message telling me that that his young daughter, 14-year-old daughter, committed suicide. And I heard that it was because in school, they were all doing reports on the family. And when she Googled his name, she found out some of the same things that I found out when I Googled his name. And that he was um, involved in a young Canadian's disappearance in Las Vegas, that him and his brother were pimps and violent and all kinds of horrible things that this young woman found out. And sadly, she took her life. I, um, I ended up posting something about it. And lo and behold, I get a message, a private message. And it was a message from this woman. And she told me, told me that that was her, that was the granddaughter, that their daughter was her mom. And could I please take that down? Because they just didn't want that story up there. You know, because everybody would be able to find out who she was through his name. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, I immediately did. And I talked with this family. I became then and I still am to this day friends with that young girl's that young woman's mom Mm -hmm. and that woman's story before she had his daughter could have been Jesse's story Mm -hmm. you know she was prostituted out and taken to Las Vegas and everything everything so this this family this is what they do and Mm -hmm. um, you know and, and he when he left Jesse down in Las Vegas, uh, she, he she was left with two, you know, another Canadian man and an American woman, and then she was then ended up with the with the Peter Todd pimp. Now Peter Todd oh. is known to the police. They as soon as his name came up, they're like, "We know him. He's a pimp. Um, we have we can't arrest him. We can't get him. We can never get anyone to testify against him, but he's a bad guy." Um, now Peter Todd has an idea identical twin brother, James Todd. And uh, the difference is Peter Todd wears his hair long and in dreads and his brother wears his hair short and cropped. And, um, his brother is a teacher. Uh, he's not actually a teacher, but he works for a school. He is a, um, like physiotherapy on some of the students that are um, athletes, etc. And when I found that out, it made me remember something that Jesse had told me. Because when Jesse was living at Peter Todd's house, his twin brother, James Todd, was living there. And working at a school. And working with young women and men. And living in his brother, the pimp's house. And to me, that doesn't sound like a very good equation. It sounds like there could be a chance of somebody grooming young people mm-hmm. um, and maybe his brother benefiting. My my thought, my opinions. 
But Jesse told me because, see, Jesse had to wear a lot of super high heel shoes. And she would get sore muscles and her calves would ache. And she told me one time that James would massage her legs and her calves. And he, he knew what he was doing because that was his job. And it just really, it, it really makes your mind wander and makes you wonder about so many things and the scenarios, how, how they could be. And there's so many different ones. Um, but I'll tell you, um, um, this is leading up to after Jesse went missing and a Calgary newspaper tried to interview James Todd. James Todd said he didn't really know Jesse, never lived in the house and had nothing to do with her, never ever spent time with her. But I knew that they did because Jesse had told me that he had physically massaged her legs, mostly her calves, but he had physically massaged her. He knew Jesse. He knew that um, his brother is a pimp. He lived mm -hmm. with them and he was a school board in, in Las Vegas, in, in Clark County. I, I don't know what school, but it's a pretty scary scenario if you ask me. Um, these are all my opinions, obviously, um, and many, many, many others. But, um, you know, they, they can, you know, you know, bring it on if they want. If they want to question me as to why I would mention them and talk, bring this up, bring it on because I have some questions for them of my own. You know, like when was enough yeah. for Jesse and what happened, etc. So, so since this is why I say things, I like to say their names because I would love for them to sue me and take me to court. I would love for somebody to try and get me for slander, defamation of character, libel, anything. Bring it on, bring it on. I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons they made GoFundMe <laughs> so that um, we could fight something like this if it happened because I would go to the top I would not those are the things that I hope for you know to get them to so pissed off at me that they want to you know bring me down I've been told many times you know a lot of people say why you know you kind of got a big mouth aren't you nervous no not at all uh, I was told a long time ago that when you're when you're fighting this kind of a fight um, they don't want to bring down someone whose mouth is so big because it just causes more attention. I've said it many mm -hmm. times. If they want to bring, you know, come and get Jesse's mom, I'm right here. You know where I am. Come and get me. Um, but they won't. <laughs> because that will just prove that there is something fishy with Jesse's story. So That's right. Yeah. I, so I can act tough all I want. <laughs> That's right. I'm not. Well, it's just, you know, the issue is, is you... Uh, that would just cause more attention and yeah. hopefully find the guilty party, right? Exactly. And That's so, all I want. You know, there you go. Yeah. So truth yeah. is truth. And, you know, um, I, I think truth is everything for me. Yeah. It is why I just say what I say. It does, you know, I'm not out to hurt people. I'm out to cause positive social change. But I also think that truth is very important if we're going to get to the bottom of this stuff. And obviously, and this is very hurt, it does hurt. But that's a good thing. No. You know, no. a, a, a truthful hurt is not a bad thing. It's an eye opener. No. If you've done something wrong and, and you're admitting it, you're releasing so mm -hmm. much from your heart and your soul. You're giving your mind some rest. You know, like it's those, those, um, you know, those three o'clock moments, you know, where you wake up and there's no one there but you in your mind. Um, and, and sometimes it can be racing. So without truth, uh, sometimes there's no peace. 
And so I really hope that they oh, have no good. peace. Yeah. No, they won't, right? That's the issue. Uh, they think they do, but they won't. And the thing is, is, um, you know, this stuff, like, this this is happening, you know, all the time. And um, I was talking to Don. I mean, this, I mean, it could have been me. It could have been anybody, you know. And this yeah. sort of stuff happens. And it's where is the, um, like, why are they not pursuing this like they should have? I know, um, you know, there was, I, I was reading some of the information. They were saying that, that, that the police checked out the house. They didn't find anything wrong. They didn't find anything. Is that well, let me ask you a question, ladies. If I came to your house and I'm saying to you, I think that there might have been a crime happening, or at least somebody is saying a crime happened. Um, we don't really think that it did, but you know, they're they're saying, yeah, you know, go look. And then the guy's like, yeah, silly, crazy Canadian woman, come on in <laughs> and take a look. They look. And they look and they look and they leave. What kind of investigation yeah. is that? They did not look behind any appliances or pull up the rugs or turn over a mattress or see if there was, um, you know, anything um, blood cleaned up or anything, anything, you know, luminol, yeah. anything. Mm -hmm. They should have been looking ice. for blood spatter, yeah. They should have been looking for the blood that dripped behind the radiator, the, all the things that, when somebody cleans up a crime scene, mm -hmm. might overlook. And that includes Jesse's hairdryer and makeup. He overlooked that. He did not mm -hmm. think that was going to be his kick in the ass. Because as soon as he told me that those items, everything was gone but those items, I said, call the police. And I think he has regretted those words to me ever since. But the bottom line is, the cops say they investigated him. They didn't. They say they investigated the house. They didn't at all mm -hmm. it's just it's crazy yeah i just that's frustrating absolutely it is it Should is have been very done immediately you think that when a when a person is is considered to be missing because no one's heard from them you know even what it, whatever same day, 24 hours. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's an adult, right, or a child. That yeah. there would be some something done. You know what I mean? Some real investigation. That's why we're... Especially an international case. Yeah. This is like somebody from another country that went missing. Um, we know how um, they are when their residents go missing, their citizens go missing in other countries. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. I've seen, you know, true murders where people were you know, taken down to Mexico and killed, and they didn't stop until they got answers. Well, this is us now. What about us? We have also That's got right. um, the same, we want the same results that you do. That's so. right. It's it's just crazy. And I don't know, I just, I sit there and I think, because you, you, you have all the information, you know what I mean? I wish I, I mean, had. You know, I, I really, it's, it, it makes me want to go investigate, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, all people, you, I don't know if you saw the post from that guy that was the latest scammer, but I had people saying, you know, 
oh, what's his number? Can I call? But I'm, you know, I just kind of pointed up the numbers in that post right there because I, you know, I shared everything. I absolutely shared everything, and yeah. So I don't know, um, but uh, I'm not sure if there's anything specific that you wanted to ask me because I know that we're I, I, close to. Right. I have a question, Glendine. Um, oh, you know, in, in the investigations or, or lack thereof, do you feel in it at the start at least? Do you feel that there may have been a refusal to acknowledge that this was happening in their backyard, or that they were not educated to really look at? Okay, we've got sex workers, but not not everybody, and the majority of of women in sex work are not there by choice. And yeah. is that something that you, you believe that that may be another reason that they just didn't want to look? They're not educated on human trafficking mm -hmm. on what to look for, or were they just maybe turning a blind eye and they saw some of this stuff? I mean, in a lot of places, there was not a lot of education and awareness about human trafficking. Um, yeah. But since Jesse's case, you have brought a lot of that information forward. And then when you created math, the Mothers Against Trafficking Humans in 2018. Um, there's just so much education that you've brought out to the community and to agencies everywhere that has been wonderful. Yeah. But we still do have a long way to go. So, oh, gotcha. No, you hit the nail on the head that um, the, when I, they know, they knew, you know, they just accepted that prostitution happened on the strip. They had a blind eye to it happening in North Las Vegas. That's their little community. And when I mentioned prostitution, even before I mentioned human trafficking, the response was that um, this happens on the Strip. It doesn't happen in North Las Vegas. And I couldn't believe they said that because, you know, I'm from Kamloops, BC. We're a small little place and I know what happens here. I've given talks in places that were even smaller and they have human trafficking problems there. So it was definitely um, their uneducated wow. um, on that topic, but I also think they turned a blind eye. I, I, I don't know if it was um, a specific blind eye for Peter Todd or in the whole realm of things that they just let it be. Um, and either way, it's horrible. Um, but and speaking of math, and, and that's part of the reason why you know, I, I when I started math, Mothers Against Trafficking Humans, um, it was another woman whose daughter had been missing. She was fortunately rescued before she was taken away. And, um, and and saved, but um, it, we were going to make it. You know, I would have. I started in Canada, and she started down there. She got really ill, so I I started it. It was actually in 2010. Um, it was February 18, 2010, and so Mothers Against Trafficking Humans. I I looked at Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, and I'm thinking. Sometimes it, it takes the moms, you know, like everybody knows that we're the, the ones that kiss the boo-boos better and we're the ones that, um, you know, try to fix things. But we're also pretty strong. And for example, my best friend's son broke her arm, he broke his arm, as she's rushing, rushing him out the front door to take him up to the hospital. 
her husband's sitting out front with his mother-in-law, her mom, and he's like, what's going on? She's like, James broke his arm. I'm taking him to the hospital. He holds up his arm and shows his dad, and it's literally just hanging. She gets up to the hospital. Next thing she knows, she looks over. There's her mom, and there's her husband being wheeled in on a, a stretcher. He passed out when he saw his son's broken arm that his mom was rushing him to the hospital to fix. So, yes, moms might be the ones that kiss the boo-boos better, but sometimes we're also the strong ones because, you know, the dads, they protect us from all kinds of things, but sometimes it's just a little too shocking. Now, that's the cutest story, and it's as true as the day is long. He she looked up, and there was her husband being wheeled in on a stretcher after he passed out. He's six foot three. Her mom's four foot 11. She had to call an ambulance. She couldn't do nothing, but... But anyway, so so that's sort of why I thought, you know, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers changed how the world, not just, you know, our country and your country, but changed the world as how we look about drunk, um, drunk driving and drinking and driving. That's and right. it's changed immensely. Uh, took a long time. So now mm -hmm. 11 years in on Mothers Against Trafficking Humans, you know, like Lee said, not a lot of people knew about human trafficking in 2006 when Jesse went missing. I was almost, um, you know, like, okay, you know, kind of brushed off by some people because of it. Uh, but I was very mm -hmm. fortunate to find a, a professor of law, a, a, um, an ass assistant professor of law here in Canada, Benjamin Perrin, and he was at the time Canada's leading expert on human trafficking. He probably still is. But his was... Um, you know, child trafficking, Cambodia, and the like. So when he started investigating and writing about human trafficking in Canada, uh, he wrote a book called um, Invisible Chains, Canada's Underground World of Human Trafficking. And he was mm -hmm. right in the middle of writing that book when I heard of him and we talked. And Jessie ended up um, getting her own chapter in that book. Um, I, I might have mentioned last time, but um, hers was, um, her chapter was called Love Bomb because they love bombed Jessie. Yeah. They didn't, you know, drug her up and, and stuff. They they tricked her into falling in love with somebody and got her that way uh, because there's mm -hmm. many, many different forms that they can, you know. Um, so when I yeah. when I first thought about, you know, Jessie being a human trafficking victim and everything made sense as to um, the lead up to the, you know, by taking on those trips, I always do the air quotes because the trips were anything but a vacation. They were just, mm -hmm. you know, the grooming. They were getting her trust. They were, you know, getting her excited by this, you know, lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is, it was all a trick. Yeah. And so that, that's what I'd like. I started just being invited to give speeches and talks and go to conferences um, just as Jesse's mom. And, but I wanted to make it more than that. So it was around then when I did start math and then I would start being invited um, under math. And then that way, I, it wasn't just to, for me to talk about my daughter's story. It was other stories and other women and stories that have helped, you know, where Jesse's story helped others. Um, you know, when I first uh, started math and I was going on one of my first trips uh, and I was thinking that this, um, my first under math and I was going down to um I was going to Ontario and I thought this was the reason for this trip was for me to talk about math but after the trip was over I realized that there was actually a different plan for me that day 
in Godhead. And, and it, I didn't even have to leave the airport in Caleb's. I did. But what happened was I was um, in the lineup waiting to board in Kamloops. It, was, um, it wasn't quite ready to board. We had some time. There was a young woman in front of me. And we started talking. And um, she asked me where I was going. And I told her. And she asked me um, what I was doing, um, going there for. And I told her about Jessie and that I had a missing daughter. And she asked me if she could have a poster. I said, yes, there is my luggage, but um, can I, I, if I carry on, I said, can I get you a poster on the airplane? It'll be easier than unpacking everything right here. And she seemed insistent. She goes, no, please, can I, can I have one right now? And I said, of course. So I opened it up and I dug her out a poster and I gave it to her and she's reading it. And all of a sudden she looked at me and she says, um, I'm running away. And I said, oh, how old are you? Because I thought she looked a little bit older than somebody running away. She goes, mm -hmm. well, I, I'm 20 or, or something. I'm 20 something. But she goes, I'm not really running away like from my parents. I'm running away from my life. And I said, why? She said, I just, you know, I can't take it anymore. Everybody wants too much out of me. She was from Quinell, which is just a small town just heading up. Well, it's actually heading up to a highway of tears in Canada, up towards it. and." Um, and she goes, no, I'm just going to Calgary, and I don't have any reason to go there. I have nobody there. I'm just going to go there and figure out my life. I said, oh, no, no, you can't do that. I said, these traffickers, they look for girls like you. They wait for girls like you. You step off that airplane. You step into that airport, and they're going to know by looking at you, you have nobody there to meet you. They're going to know that there's something wrong, and they're going to offer you a food or a place to stay and then they get the hook to you. I said, you can't. And she's like, really? And I said, no, no, you can't go. You can't go. And I'm begging her not to go. She goes, okay, well, how, how do I how do I get my luggage off the plane? I said, you go out there and you tell them at the gate that you're not getting on the plane and that you want your luggage and you want it now. And, and she laughed. I, I never saw her again in my life, but what I heard was them announcing that they needed to get some luggage off of my flight immediately before the flight took off. And then I realized that the whole reason for my whole invitation was to see her. It had nothing to do with talking about math in Ontario. It had nothing to do with educating people. My job that day was to make sure that young woman did not get on that plane to Calgary, yeah. and I did it. I saved, <laughs> I saved her. <laughs> that's awesome. I believe in, in in divine appointments, and that's what you had with that young lady. You were put there yeah. for that yeah. purpose to me, exactly. And I still got the beautiful trip to Ontario, and I still enjoyed myself. And I got to relax in that hot tub. The minute we touched down, I went straight to the hot tub when I got there, and I thought about her, and I thought about her, and I still think about her. Yes. Eleven years later. <laughs> God's will. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Yes, it is. That's very cool. Yeah. And I have yeah. so many of those stories of people I've met, of people I've talked to. Funny mm -hmm. stories, very touching stories. Uh, you know, one time I was invited to go, um, it was in Ottawa, and it was the chiefs of, Ottawa chiefs of police, and there was Crime Stoppers and everything. And um, 
and, and my mind is blank right now because I can't think of the name, but there was a very well-known Canadian country and Western singer. Oh, um, um, Brant. His last name is Brant. Um, anyways. Oh, um, yeah. I know who you're talking you about. You know who I mean? Yes. Anyways, I, I apologize, sir. I apologize. Anyways, he was the master <laughs> of ceremonies and he was one of my husband's favorite country and western singers. And I go up to him and because you're still starstruck, even Paul if Brandt. your daughter isn't a thing, you can still yes, Paul Brandt. <laughs> and he is one of Canada's uh, most well known and well um awarded country and western singers. Yeah. And I went up to him and I was so happy to meet him. I want to get a picture. I looked at him and I said, oh, my gosh, you are my husband's biggest fan. And then we burst out laughing. I said, I mean, he's your biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> but, right, those things happen, right? Those things. But we got a chuckle and I got a picture and it was wonderful. That's but cool. and, and that's how things have been, right? I mean, it's it's hasn't all been tragic. Um, uh, there's been a lot of learning, and there's been a lot of uh, people being helped. But um, what was the the biggest and the best thing for me was uh, because um, as people who know me realize that I, I'm a silly person, I got a pretty good sense of humor. I can make my kids. My grandkids laugh. Oh my gosh, they can't get over how funny their grandma is. But when Jesse went missing, I lost that. I didn't think there was anything to laugh about anymore. I felt guilty if I found something to laugh about. And then one day I got my funny back and mm. I was so happy. I was so happy that I could be a smart aleck again, that I could make people laugh. I could make myself laugh. I laugh at me more than anybody. Mm. I think I'm the funniest person that I know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, kidding. Okay. But, um, but it was a, such a pleasure when the laughter did come back. When the joy started coming back, I could have joy in um, having my grandchildren around me or just having grandchildren being born. Um, my husband and I, we've been together since way back in the eight, 1980s, but we ended up with um, um, not getting married until about six or seven years ago. So, yeah, it's life has still gone on and it's been a good yeah. thing. Yes, it's been a good thing. Yes, that's awesome. I know. I think I'm not sure, but I think we had one more question. Oh, please. That, that lead in? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I had to unmute myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I saw your lips moving. <laughs> um, over time, how has the perception and acceptance in learning about human trafficking um, as far as law enforcement agencies, you know, sometimes the smaller ones really, oh, not in my backyard, that doesn't happen here. Yeah. Um, we don't, what ha, has, has their perception changed on accepting um, speakers, accepting information that you're sharing on um, regards to human trafficking, the signs to look out for and to understanding that, you know, they arrest a lot of sex workers, but there are many of those, and especially the ones who are underage and the young adults, 
that they are they can be victims. They are most likely victims, and they need to learn how to spot that. So, has there been a lot of change, and maybe understanding in that respect? There have been. Now, unfortunately, before I tell you how much change and how much education has happened, I don't see that with North Las Vegas. But I might add that that just might be with Jesse. They may um, investigate new cases differently. But I don't know if they just don't want to accept that they made a mistake with Jesse's case, or maybe they just still are living in the dark ages somewhat. As new officers join the force and they're younger and they're more with it and they understand things, and if they had an idea of human trafficking even before they started this job, then they'd be more apt to be understanding. But um, right up until the very last time that I ever spoke to the North Las Vegas police, they, they still laugh at me and laugh at Jesse's case and they don't give us any help, they don't investigate, and it's absolutely disgusting. Now, other people and, and the general population of the world has become very understanding that human trafficking is real and it's big and it's getting bigger. And as a matter of fact, um, the organizations that were, you know, coming up and this last year with COVID has really put a kink in a lot of armor for different organizations um, because you can't go out and educate people on yeah. how to protect yourself or how to look for it. Um, but it's it was really important. These a lot of um, groups would come out, and um, there's Sex Trade 101 in Canada. They're out of Toronto. I'm very close friends with the two founders, and they educate. They talk to the UN on human trafficking. They, um, you know, there's Tamia Nagy who was brought over from Hungary and trafficked, and she educates the police in Ontario, and um, mm -hmm. tries to teach them how to spot and rescue human trafficking victims. And um, so, yeah, it's it's huge now, but they're still closed off with Jesse. Now, I don't know if that means, sorry, I just dropped my water. I don't know if that means um, they're all like that or if it was just mm -hmm. the older cops that were there when Jesse went missing. But they haven't um, had anybody call me up and say, you know, I'm the new detective on this case and I'm starting from ground zero like it just happened today. That's yeah, never happened. And I don't no. expect it to. As far as North Las Vegas is concerned, I'm the lead detective on Jesse's case, and I have been since the beginning. Yeah. That is so Had sad when you think about it. It is very sad. Is. Who am I in that realm? What am I? You know, I told you guys what I did when Jesse went missing. I could get you back online if your internet went down. I knew how to troubleshoot your computer. I'm very literate when it comes to that. Um, I can take care of people. I... I most people my age get their kids and their grandkids to help them with their computers. I help my kids and grandkids because they all know they don't need to bother because grandma knows. That's just <laughs> me though, right? Yeah. That's I'm just me. <laughs> You're just <laughs> but, but I also learn as I go, which is why I know how to be a detective in my daughter's case. Just like I learned how to troubleshoot a computer or to get somebody back online, I know where to start when it comes to a missing person. I get a lot of people calling, asking me where, you know, can I help this family? Can I help this mother? What can I do? What can I do? Um, as far as help, mm -hmm. all I can do is make recommendations. You know, right. about, you know, the posters and the, yeah, I mean, social media wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even social media. It was just, you know, hey, there's this new thing called Facebook. And, you mm -hmm. know, I hadn't even uh, 
I had not, never heard of Facebook. I had barely even heard of um, the one that was just before Facebook, that uh, MySpace. So mm. all of those were so new. We had ICQ and MSN Messenger when Jesse went yeah. missing. And uh, yeah. I don't know if anybody even remembers either of those two, but that that's a long time ago. So, <laughs> and yeah, oh, crazy. But um, along with everything else, we've, um, you know, tried to keep up with the technology and, um, you know, keep Jesse out there as much as we can. Yeah. That Did was actually my question, Wendine. I was going to ask if you thought social media played part in the case today. Yes. Yeah, and it does because it was just coming out. So I kind of got my my toe in the door at the beginning. Um, but now that's the first place everybody goes. First place mm -hmm. is, is, you know, social media. You know, I think we mentioned this last time. I'm not sure. But, you know, back then they would say you couldn't even report a person missing for 72 hours. You couldn't report a person missing if you weren't in the same city. You couldn't report a person missing if you weren't related. You know, now there is no time frame. You don't have to be related. You can be a roommate. You can, you know, be a mother calling from another country and you can report someone missing. And yep. uh, you know, all of it in whole is because, you know, they're trying to say you can't report the missing for 72 hours. And yet they come out with this show called The First 48. And if you don't find right. them in the first 48, your chances are low. Well, how in the heck does that add up if you can't report the missing for 72? So, 72 yeah, it, it's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it just makes you shake your head. But as as people, um, younger people, I mean, literally people who weren't even born now are teenagers, who, who weren't even born when Jesse went missing are teenagers now. Mm -hmm. People who were teenagers when Jesse went missing are now in their 30s. Um, mm -hmm. So... We've got a whole generation of people who knew about Jesse as they entered into their adulthood and as they became computer literate and social media literate. And it was very helpful for Jesse's case that it happened when it did. I don't think she would have been um, so well known as a human trafficking victim if there were, you know, human trafficking victims uh, being talked about everywhere. It was, it was all the timing for Jesse, the fact that her mom won't stop. <laughs> she had that going for her um, because not everybody can be as persistent as, as I can be. And um, I just thought, screw you. You remember the old saying, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. Well, it's, you know, I brought her into yeah. this world and I'll be damned if anyone's going to do anything to her and me just yeah. sit by and, and watch right. it. So, you know, but yeah, so I'm, I'm grateful for social media. I'm so grateful that if uh, if Jesse had to go missing, she went missing when it was uh, a time where we could get the attention on her that I believe that my daughter deserved. I think everybody deserves it. But at the moment yeah. I say my daughter, she deserved That's as right. much as we can. And, you know, the missing and murdered indigenous women became a thing like it was back then it was just all these missing indigenous women they weren't wasn't right. mmiw it was just oh yeah oh well that's sad that happened but guess what you know life goes on well now we've got all these things we've got the organizations we've got you know people protesting we've got awareness mm -hmm. and we've got shows like you guys where you know you can just inform people you know to the nth degree yeah. just get share that information get it out there that's right I know Lee wanted to wanted to talk about something before we ended the show here today. 
Okay. Do you have a question, Lee? Um, I wish we could get you down here in Northwest Florida and up between Pensacola and Fulton Beach. And I tell you, we've got so many youth here that, that tend to go, they, they go missing, they run away. Um, they don't understand, you know, they don't understand the dangers that are out there. And the fact that I live just, I think it's about four miles from I-10, which is right by Walmart, you know, and, and that is a big, that the I-10 corridor is huge for human yeah. trafficking. Um, you know, I wanted to mention real quickly, and I don't, since I didn't, was never able to hear her last name, I don't know how it's pronounced, but Diana, um, forensic artist, who is- Trepkov. Trep Diana Trepkov. Has done some yeah. amazing age progressions oh. for you of Jesse over the years. And that is, a, that's a monumental help in, yeah. you know, helping people to, to look for Jesse. And I know yeah. I've been, I've been looking for Jesse and, you know, in drive-throughs and, and, in bathrooms, in restaurants, in, in anywhere you go, you know, I mean, just getting people to keep their eyes open, you know, for, for something that might feel off and don't dismiss it. If it feels off in your, you know, in your spirit, don't dismiss it. You know, mm -hmm. it's better to be wrong, you know, That's but, right. you know, and not, if you don't speak up and you're right, then, you know, that could be the only time that somebody could connect with that person who's being trafficked or taken. So, right. you know, I just wanted to mention her in there as well because, you know, of the blessing she's been and the work that she has so lovingly done. Yes. I'm so I always tell her that um, thanks to her, I've watched Jesse age over these 15 years because every, you know, three years or so she'll do another one. And, you know, each time, you know, she makes her look a little bit older, obviously. And so I, I can keep keep track of what she looks like. Mm -hmm. And that's a blessing. That is very, very cool. Yeah. But thank we'll you. just keep taking this time for now. And I uh, hope, you know, anybody who's listening and watching this, you know, that you'll also get involved and just just share the information. You never know who it could help. You just never know. Um, no. People no. sometimes are going through things and you have no idea what's going on in their life. But you share something, it might have been the one thing that they needed to see or that they needed to, you know what I mean? So share this stuff. Right? Get this information out. That's right. That might be the one thing that the person is searching for and thinking that there's nobody there for them or there's no help or and all of a sudden something will resonate with them. We never know when something we say or do to somebody is going to stay with them forever. That's right. That's right. To, to change their lives. And this is this is like the thing. Girl in the airport. Perfect example yeah. is that yeah. young lady in the airport. So, uh, mm -hmm. well, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys with all my heart. Uh, can't even begin to express the love that I feel for you all. Letting me talk about Jesse for so long means a lot well we we appreciate it because we really feel the same about you and i mean it's such a great um thing that you that you spent this time with us and like i said we're going to put this everywhere it's going to go all over where all over our stuff and i'll send you the links and um okay. it'll be a podcast you know as well as uh, the videos out there and we'll put it as many places as we can and you know just uh hope and pray and keep the hope alive you know and the jesse will eventually get home to you soon. Oh, thank you. I just That's appreciate you. you. Yeah, thank you for thank everything you. that you've done to help so many people. 
And, you know, that's really, that's what I, Donna says all the time, Donna and Lee, they always say, well, it's people helping people. And that's what we're all yeah. about. That's all, that's all we all want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. People helping people. Cause that's, that's, that's all we can do is just try to help. You know what I mean? So I thank you for all and you're doing. And that's what makes us feel good is helping others. It's wonderful when we get helped. Yeah. Usually people say, oh, I'm fine. I don't need help. But it's wonderful when we do. But it's even much um, a better feeling inside when we're the ones helping. It is. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's a good thing, right? So thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon, wonderful evening. And just take really good care of yourselves till the next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.